0: Welcome back to A Good Word, a Baptist Communicators podcast series for Christian communicators. Among the benefits of being a part of an organization like BCA are the opportunities that we have to grow through our relationship with other members. Sometimes we share similar experiences that we're having right then, while at other times we're able to grow through the experience and wisdom of someone that has been committed to this career path for years. Today, we're going to have the chance to hear from past BCA president and longtime International Mission Board journalist, Anita Bowden. Like most everyone listening today, Anita has experienced a lot of change. She went from writing a story after story after story by relying on bits and pieces of information gathered by others to going on international trips lasting for weeks. Her responsibilities have changed from news writer to writer editor, then to news editor, and eventually director of print and editorial departments. She's known for asking writers the hard questions to help them become better at what they do. I believe that today, regardless of what we do in this field, Anita is going to impact the way we do it. Anita, thank you so much for being with us.
1: Thank you, Jim. It's quite an honor to be asked to do this, and I hope I'll have something that um, is of value to the folks who are listening. Let me start with my basic premise here, and that is when you're starting your career, or even if you're halfway through it, if you haven't already made the decision to stick with who you are, you need to do that. And by that, I mean, uh, who are you at your core? What will you do? What will you not do? and then stay with that. It's like um, I've heard uh, social workers and all say that individuals need to make a decision when they're not in the heat of the battle. Will you have sex outside of marriage? Yes or no. Will you make use of illicit drugs? Yes or no. Are you gonna lie to avoid punishment? Yes or no. Make that decision when you're not at the point of having to do it because you're in the middle of the situation and then stick with it. Um, And now I have five corollaries I wanna run through if I can (laughs) Um, and they all follow follow the road down the hill from this. The first one is to do your very best work always and be conscious that your work time is not your time. Let me give you an example. Uh, Early in my career, I had the opportunity of um, working with new missionaries and career long-term missionaries with their newsletters. We'd have furlough conference, we'd have orientation at the Learning Center, and I'd go out and run some workshops for those who are wanting to improve their newsletters. And there'd be several different sessions during the day with an hour, hour and a half, two hours between times. Um, the The board was about a 30-minute drive from the Learning Center. So it was not really logical for me to try to drive back and forth. So this was, uh, <clears throat> this was the four laptops. Uh, part of it was before computers. So I didn't have my workload I could actually take out with me and you know plug in my computer and go. So I took reading material that I needed to go through and um, would find myself a little quiet spot somewhere on the hall and park and start doing some reading. Well, one of the guys from another department came by and saw what I was doing and said, well, or said, well, well, what are you doing? I told him what I was doing. I said, I'm, you know, I've got time between workshops, so I'm trying to take care of this. And he said to me, well, now I'm embarrassed. He says, I'm just out here chatting away. You're doing work. And I thought, well, yeah, you know, I'm on payroll still during these hours. I should be doing work. But we forget about that sometimes, particularly um, when we're in an environment that's separate from our particular work setup. Uh, It's still not my time, it's the board's time or it's, it's your employer's time. So remember that. Second corollary, don't let your boss or your company change you. And related to that is don't lie for your company. Now, I actually used those words, said them to a social worker at the retirement community where my parents were. The situation was my dad was in the process of moving from assisted living into health care. They did not have a permanent health care room available for him yet. So they put him in a small two-person, two-man um, room which was set up for individuals who were there temporarily, come home from the hospital, needed a little attention and then you would go somewhere else in the, in the facility. Daddy was has always been an introvert and he didn't do well um, at age 91. Uh, in this room with a um, man that he didn't know whose wife was there part of the time. My mom was still living, but she was in permanent health care and had Alzheimer's, so there wasn't much contact between the two of them at that time. So I come in and visit, but it was, it was very awkward and he was so unhappy. So I asked the social worker about it and her response was, well, we have to keep a certain number of rooms available for folks who might show up from the hospital or break a foot or something and you just need some attention for a while. We can't just put your dad in another room. And because we don't know whether the mix is gonna be male or female, we have to have a certain number of rooms available for females and a certain number of rooms available for men. Okay, I thought about that. (laughs) And then I took an inventory of the empty rooms in that section of healthcare. And there were at least three empty rooms that could stay empty, waiting for individuals to show up. Uh, And there were at least two others that could have been used temporarily. So I talked to her about it, and she insisted that that was not what they could do. That was not policy. They couldn't do that. So I went over her head and insisted that her supervisor walk with me down the hall and look at these rooms and see if there wasn't someplace. The daddy could go for a few days while we were waiting for another family to clear out a room no longer needed, um, move his one piece of furniture and his chair in there. And if it became overcrowded, he'd be willing to move back. But could he not have his privacy for a little while? And she walked down the hall with me and looked in the rooms and she said, Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Well, the social worker was very young. This was her first job, I think, out of school. And so when I said to her, don't lie for your, I said, you're very young in your career. And I know you haven't had a lot of experience and there's still stuff you're learning. So let me tell you something you need to know right up front. Do not lie for your company. And she took great offense at that, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> I probably was too strong with what I said. But it's important for you to remember that um, you are not your company. You need to protect your company, but as particularly as a social worker, her job was to advocate for the patients there. And she wasn't advocating for anybody, but the bottom line that was easy to, the, the rules, you know, that were, they were easy to follow and not deal with humanity on it. So there's, there's one of those other points. Related to that um, is fight for what's right, but do in a way that makes as few enemies as possible and acknowledge that you won't always win. Um, I guess some people would rightly uh, describe me as being hard-headed. I I, I know my dad would tell me that as I was growing up. You're really hard headed. I thought, chip off the old lock, daddy. But (laughs) um, you have to fight for what's right sometimes. And it's a shame, even in the Baptist world, even in the religious world, that you have to do that. Um, But sometimes people don't seem to recognize what the right thing is. (laughs) And when you have wisdom and knowledge in that direction, you know, you got to share it around. but the way you say it is important. I remember there was a guy I was working with in the news office early on and he was younger than me and and didn't have as much, quite as much experience. And he was having a hard time with one of the directors in another department. And I said to him, okay, and you have to know that I've always been pretty upfront with folks and I'm very honest to a fault sometimes but I have tried to learn over the years to temper the way I express it so that it doesn't come across so raw. I said to him, okay, why don't you go to the director and just talk to him about your relationship and how difficult it is for you to work with him, the way things are going and that you feel like he doesn't you know, appreciate you or doesn't trust you or doesn't respond to you as you need him to for you to get your job done. Well, um yeah he did that only he did it in an email and it was one of the worst emails i have ever read and he copied me on it (laughs) and when i read it my heart just went oh no this is not what i wanted you to do at all well fortunately he didn't lose his job but he came pretty close so the way you say things is very important yeah get the message across but be careful in the way you say it, and of course, you know you're not every not going to win every battle anyway. Now, speaking of winning, point three: don't play games. Take a chance on being open and honest. Positioning only wastes time. When I got to near the end of my career, this became clearer to me because I had seen positioning happen you know, over and over and over, and not even participated in doing it. Um, fear is a strong motivator to keep your mouth shut or not to speak up you know, when you, you see something going wrong. Am I gonna lose my job? What's the boss gonna do to me? There was one boss I worked for that um, provoked a lot of fear in several of us through the years. But as I got to the end of my career, and there's advantages in that, I will get to that in a minute. um, I realized that what, you know, like what's the worst that could possibly happen if you're open and honest with somebody about something? If it's not, particularly if it's not your boss, if it's somebody that's on a a level across from you or um, down one or up one, let's say in another unit. what, you, what you're going to lose if you don't say, OK, um, I can help you do this. There was um, a woman that came into the board, into the work, larger work area that I was involved in, that nobody really knew anything about when she arrived. We didn't know how she was going to behave, what her, <laughs> how she was going to play. Was she going to play nice? Could you trust her? Um, and we all tippy-toed around for a while. And it was a position, she was actually doing something that I had done to some degree in the past and thoroughly enjoyed doing. And I kind of wanted to do some of it, not because I thought she, I could do better than she, but because she had so much to do. And I thought, okay, I, I could take you know a portion of this and help her out. Well, she didn't see it that way. I think she was afraid as a newcomer that she was that I was gonna to try to lord it over her or show her up or make her look bad, I don't know. Anyway, she resisted. And others in the department kind of had that same experience with her. And we, we got to a spot where something should have been said and nothing ever was. And as I was kind of getting ready to blow out of town, I remember saying to one of the other people in the unit Um, you know, it would have worked so much better if I had just said up front, look, I don't want to take your job. I don't want to make your job harder. This is something I really enjoy doing and I'm pretty good at it. And I would just like to, I've got time. I would like to help do this and just laid it out. And yeah, she still could have said, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. Or that won't work for me. But I could have at least tried and that would have taken some of the tension away. There is a certain freedom that comes with retirement in sight and earned goodwill. Now, first you get the earned goodwill. Then you get the freedom with retirement in sight, hopefully. Hopefully that's the sequence for you. Um, When you've learned to keep your mouth shut when you need to, when you've learned the right way to say things so that you don't tick off everybody at the same time. You find that you can get some things done that you're not sure you would have thought earlier maybe you couldn't get done. Um, I said some people would refer to me as hardheaded. The other group would say that Anita was the one that they could always count on asking the question or making the comment that half the room was thinking and no one was willing to say out loud. Yeah, that can get you in trouble too. But anyway, but it's always encouraging, you know, after you've stuck your neck out and somehow it didn't get chopped off, if people come to you and say, hey, I'm so glad you said that, somebody needed to say that. I'd look at them and say, well, why didn't you say that? Or why didn't you say, yeah, after I said it? No, anyway, um, somebody has to do that. And (laughs) uh, I tended to be the one. If you find yourself in a position like that, again, It's kind of, um, throw the prayer up to God. Am I supposed to say this now? And while I don't remember actually saying, you know, literally sitting there and thinking that prayer, God has a way of uh, pushing me internally, um, like to the point where I can't hear anything but that. It's, uh, It's kind of a... A soul feeling, I guess. It's kind of in the middle of my chest. I'm being prompted to do this, do this, do this. And he knows he has to start early and work long on me before I'll do it. So when it hits the point of, okay, I can't ignore this anymore, I will make the comment. Um, I remember (laughs) one of the, I hadn't thought to say this earlier, but I remember a a gentleman who is a video guy who has connections in, among Hollywood folks, had come to do a workshop with us. And he was uh, talking about his Christianity and how it fit in with his career. And that he had to walk a tightrope to some extent so as not to lose clients because of being too Christian in what he said and how he behaved. And he told about a situation where he, uh, one of his clients said something to him to indicate that he knew that he was different from other producers that he'd worked with. And he wasn't sure what was going on. And the guy didn't say anything in the workshop about what how he responded to him. And so that little nagging push kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. And I didn't know this guy from Adam, but during one of the breaks, I went up to him and I said, oh, you know what you were talking about that story? I said, um, how do you think they're going to know that you're a Christian if you don't tell them that's what's making you different? And he kind of looked at me like light bulb going on, you know. And I thought, okay, that's enough, sit down. <laughs> and later on, um, he actually made a comment about that in another situation that it was, it was years later that he had, it, some point been prompted to be a little more open about his faith so that it wasn't just a well you're different you know it's you're different because you believe in jesus the speaking at the other part about what you can do when retirement is in sight i have a story about that too the last year i guess year year and a half that i worked at the board Um, I was asked to do a job that was slightly different from what I'd been doing. And it became clear fairly early (laughs) that there were two things in particular that my new boss wanted me to do um, that hadn't been necessarily brought up up front when he asked me to change my job responsibilities. One of them was to tutor somebody to take over much of what I was doing when I retired. The other was to get rid of one of the individuals that, I, that reported, who reported to me. Um, the first one kind of took care of itself. I did not think his choice was necessarily the best out of the entire working group to take that role when I retired. But I respected his desire and uh, worked with the individual as best I could during the time frame I had with him. It ended up that that did not work out well. Maybe because I didn't tell the individual up front that I was tutoring him, and he needed to watch his P's and Q's before <laughs> um, he got the job, because it wasn't a shoe in. It was a maybe. But at any rate. Uh, It didn't work out. The other person, um, I went into a meeting with my boss um, who wanted me to get rid of an individual who had worked at the board for some time but was not functioning well any longer. Um, Attitude was bad, work was not particularly good, uh, not getting to work on time, not being around when needed, that sort of thing. And I looked at, at my boss <laughs> and said, um, I'm not going to do that. Well, I thought my boss was going to come across the desk at me. And so as quickly as I could, I added, but here's what I will do. I'm going to talk to this person, see if I can find out what in the world's going on. See if we can work out an approach to either make the situation better or to help this person decide it's not the right job for them anymore. So the boss calmed down a little bit, (laughs) agreed to that. And uh, that's what I did. And in the meeting with the person I was supposed to get rid of, we, we talked about you know, you don't seem happy. What's—I don't know what's going on with you. Um, and and if you want to stay here, and I'd like you to stay, but if you want to stay here, here are the things that you're going to have to do. You're going to have to get here on time. You're going to have to, you know, have a regular schedule. You're going to have to accomplish these things in this time frame. And it was on a Friday we were meeting, and the person I was talking with said, "Okay, let let me let me think about this over the weekend. Pray about what I need to do." And I said, okay, works for me. So Monday morning, the person came in and said, okay, had, had a weekend, talked about this with family and thought about it and prayed about it. And I decided um, I just really need to leave this job. Well, that was the easiest answer for me. Not necessarily the best response, but the easiest answer for me because then I didn't have to <laughs> be the bad guy to follow up if the person didn't do what the person was supposed to do. But if I hadn't been, if I hadn't already um, accrued some goodwill with my boss, and if I wasn't on the tail end of my career, I wouldn't have felt as free to have said those things. And as it turned out, it was the best thing for all of us involved on in it. And that brings me to my last point, which is remember that you are not indispensable. And then I said, IE, <laughs> you're not such a hot shot. And then the other IE is nobody cares after you leave. <laughs> and this I learned real early. When I shifted from the news office into the print department, I had been the news editor in the news office for several years and I was good at doing it. I I would catch things that some of the others didn't, meanings, um, double meanings or something that other folks just blew past and didn't see. And in my new role in the print department, I didn't get to do as much editing and I was missing it and I was trying to keep up with the news. This was when the Baptist role was coming apart. And so there was a lot of Baptist press stuff going on about the fundamentalists and all. And um, I remember reading a story And I couldn't tell you for the life of me what it was about now. But there was something that the crew in the news office had missed, that there was a a double meaning or an inverted um, thought kind of in the story. And I thought, oh, no. And, you know, righteous editor here went down to the department and said to the boss, "Uh, I just noticed this thing that you missed in the story you sent to Baptist Press, you know, two days ago. (laughs) Well, he didn't catch it. He didn't, he didn't understand exactly what I was saying. And more important, I realized that he didn't really care what I had to say about his story. I was not part of the news office anymore. It was not my job. I had left that job and I had responsibility somewhere else. And I needed to remember that. And so I never ever went back to any of the guys I worked with in news when I was working in print. Um, to correct them on anything. I would, you know, cheer with them when I thought they'd done a fabulous story, but if I spotted something wrong, no, not my job anymore. They don't need me to tell them they made a mistake, (laughs) Um, and that pretty much wraps up all the wisdom I can think of that I learned over 36 years in the uh, communications world of Baptists.
0: You have just shared with us some some really incredible stories with some very powerful content. Um, so, your, your tradition of doing that very thing has continued right through this very moment. Um, we are, we're very fortunate to have that. I want to read a statement that I've discovered <clears throat> that you made. Wow. It's, it's a good one, Anita. This is a good statement. <laughs> this is a good one. Um, you said, I think there's going to be a lot that the communicators of the board have done that will show up in eternity. Okay, I want to read that one more time. I want everybody listening just to, just to kind of clue into this one more time and listen to every word because it's, it's something for all of us, really. I think there's going to be a lot that the communicators of the board have done that will show up in eternity, um, I think that is, that's a statement really for all of us. Uh, I think that probably more often than any of us would like to admit, we have questioned where we are and we wondered if what we're doing has any relevance at all. Uh, and I think that statement that, it, that Anita, that you made, is an assurance that it does, regardless of what we do. Uh, as communicators of uh, the greatest story ever told. So yes, <clears throat> uh, what we're doing is important. Even, even if an hour from now you feel like it's not, <laughs> um, it is, it, it is important. Uh, Anita, thank you so much for being here today. The next A Good Word will be coming your way very soon. You'll be hearing from us. Thanks again to Doug Rogers for helping us make this possible. Without Doug, we would not be hearing anything at all right now. And thanks to all of you for joining us.